Hi friends, Logan Clements here with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, we are talking all about event registration 101. We talk about what it is, what platforms and tools that we've used for registration, as well as some questions and information you want to make sure you as the organizer or the planner, make sure that you capture in that crucial registration process. We also talk about some tips for optimizing it and common mistakes that we see at registration all the time and how you can avoid them. Before we jump into it, I do want to remind you that we love growing this Better Events community. So if you are loving what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts or buying us a coffee down in the show notes or just sharing it with a fellow member of the Event Pro community. We love hearing from you guys. So thank you so much for those who are already doing it. And if you haven't yet, here's your chance. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now... Let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson. And this week, we are talking all things event registration. Let's call it a 101, if you will. Uh, But before we jump into talking all things reg, Mary, I've got a conversation starter for you. What is something that you were really into when you were a kid? Holly Pockets. Oh. Does that bring you back? <laughs> I have not thought about those in forever. Expand, please. <laughs> well, I recently went home to my parents' house and they were having me go through all these toys that they had kept and they're like, you need to start getting rid of things. And so that is when I remembered about Polly Pockets and I had like the, the older, older kind, which were you know really teeny tiny. And then the li- kind of newer kind that were like bigger and they had, wore like jelly clothes, like <laughs> both sets of Polly Pockets. I was super into those. I was a big, you know, doll kid and Polly Pockets were the best. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have not had to think about those in forever, but yes, <laughs> Google, if you were too young for uh, Polly Pockets, Google them, you're missing out. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, it was, I, I got kind of nostalgic the other day realizing for me, it was like Harry Potter. I was really into, it was like the first book series that I really got into as a kid as a little, and I remember like being like a second, third grader, but the part that got me nostalgic is that I used to camp out for the book release. So the books would get released. You could pre-order them, but the books would like come out at midnight and our local Borders bookstore would let you actually like camp out in line in the store. And like my friends, we would like get all dressed up in costumes and stuff and like go and like sit and, you know, sit in a circle in line waiting for the books to drop at midnight. And then you would get home. And of course, there'd be like, even if it was a school night, there'd be people like the next day who'd already read the whole book. They like stayed up all night and read it. I would not do that. I like to savor it more. But I have a lot of fond memories about the different things we did for the book release. And then when the movies started coming out, also doing like midnight premieres, like just things that I don't I don't do anymore. I don't don't even know if kids do that anymore that. Um, I just had a little, little nostalgia for book release parties for Harry Potter. That's such a good one. You're right. I I did those as well and had lots of fond memories, sleepy memories for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's fun. That's really bringing me back. Um, but 
Before we jump into the rest of this episode, we're going to interrupt to quickly plug the first ever Better Events Conference coming to you virtually when, Mary? On Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. That's right. Mark your calendars. So excited. Uh, We are very, very happy for this to be coming together. And we just want to hear from you for you to register your interest, to hear about when tickets go on sale, or if you want to partner with us or speak at this year's conference, please visit our website, bettereventspod.com slash conference. We'll see you there. We must jump into our topic for today, which is about event registration. We're talking event reg 101. And your event registration is often the first impression that your guests have at your event. And you really want them to be as the process to be as seamless as possible. And so we share our favorite tips and tricks to optimize your event registration process to help you host a better event, right? That's what we're all about. And so we're excited to talk about event reg today. And our first question is, of course, simple. What is event registration? You know, nice and broad. Uh, Event registration is how you collect your attendees' information for your events. This could be your ticketing platform. This could just be if it was a webinar, your your order, your registration form where you're collecting their name, their email address, maybe their organization they're joining you from. Uh, You can collect payment if you're charging for your event. But this is kind of your initial data capture of who your attendees are, and it helps kind of inform you, you know, just how many people to expect at your event. Mary, do you have anything to add to that definition? I don't, but guess who does? Google. <laughs> Somehow <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I love to Google things uh, just for the sake of Googling them. Okay, so Google says event registration um, gives attendees, participants, and guests ticket types and options and collects detailed information about the attendee and processes. So basically what you said as well, but absolutely event registration is something that really, really saves the day. It's a huge part of the process. So excited to talk more about it. Yeah. And I would say this is a part that both Mary and I have managed before for events. I wouldn't say, at least personally, it's not necessarily my specialty. I've had a number of events recently where I'm managing the on-site check-in and we'll have a different episode talking about some of that, but where then I've had to really dive into some of the registration process and platforms. Um, And so I just figured It'd be great if we do an episode for you listeners kind of sharing some of our platforms and tools, things to think about, common mistakes we might see, and how you can kind of optimize your registration process. And listeners, if any of you consider yourself a registration guru, please reach out because we'd love to have you on because I know there are some people that just live and breathe event registration all the time. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yes. They're, like I know that I'm often saved by event registration companies that we'll bring in. And so absolutely, it could just, it's yeah, such a crucial part of the process for sure. Yeah. So Mary, to start, what are some uh, platforms or tools that you've used for registration? Oh, let me start at the basics. I have used an Excel spreadsheet and it was the worst. Maybe even more basic though. I've used paper before and that is also the worst. <laughs> so we've done paper, we've done Excel. So we're all, we can only go up from there, right? Um, so we've used, we have used Eventbrite check-in before actually, and that worked pretty well because you can get the app and do it on your phone. And, um, cause there was an event where we needed people at the time, this was a while ago, brought paper tickets and they needed their ticket so we could scan it. And that was great. So we've used that. Um, and then even going up even more, I would say we've used, um, 
we've used a lot, but these are starting to go more, more fundraising. So we've used uh, QGive, which is really known for registration. We've used Classy. We've used Cvent. Um, we've used GiveSmart, Get Greater Giving, Octria, of course. Um, I'm probably forgetting some, but like it seems like everybody wants to use a different platform, which we talk about all the time. But depending on your kind of event, there are event softwares that do registration or there are exclusively event registration softwares. So there's just lots of different ways that you can utilize something like this. But what about you, Logan? I'm sure you've used so many of them as well. Yeah, everybody's different. There's not, again, similar to our other platform discussions, there's not one. And again, this is the registration. So the initial capturing process um, can be as formal, like you're saying, Mary. I've, I mean, I've seen it as like email, which is awful of just sitting on an email invite and wanting people to like accept a calendar invite. And that's how you know they're coming or not. That makes it very difficult. You're limited with what info you capture. But yeah, like an Eventbrite is a, is a website that is purely just event registration. Um, you can use it for marketing and doing other things. Um, I've utilized Cvent, Swugo. I, I feel like my big thing is just figuring out what if you just want a standalone registration app because you want to have a very robust, capture lots of different information, have lots of customized questions, there's platforms for that. Or if you go the more simple, like simplified route and you're just going to use the built-in registration with the platform you're using. So for example, like Zoom, you know, if you're doing a Zoom webinar, you can enable registration through Zoom webinar and it's just going to ask your name, your email address. I think you can customize a couple more fields, ask a custom question or two and it's just a very smooth user experience because when they hit register, it automatically will send them that confirmation email with the link, like all the important things they need. Um, so I think there's a lot of technology out there that helps, but I feel like this transitions into the next question for this episode is just talking about like what questions and information do you need to capture at registration? Mary, what do you think? What's your knee-jerk reaction? Um. Name, <laughs> email. Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> Name, email, um, and and maybe those are the two things. Oh, I think there are more, but those are like the required field. Minimum, yes, yes. minimum those because you got to get a hold of people, you know, and so you need that information. The hard part is when you use a software that can you can register your guests, but a lot of times when people register, they know they want to bring like five people, but they don't know their they don't know the information really. And so then there's this weird line between do you require that information or not? Because then whoever is in charge of guest information is going to have to, no matter what, I'm sure, have to go track these people down and figure out what their guest names are. So you have to, you know, figure out what your resources are and if you're going to require those fields or not. Because sometimes if you require them, people will still be like, TBD, first name, last name, TBD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you still follow up. Yeah. So. This is, oh, yeah, it's hard. I think this is, I would say registration out of anywhere in your like attendee guest journey, this is the time to capture the most information that you really want to capture. Because later on, you can be like, go set up your profile, add all your information in. Like, and that's great, but you're going to have a lot of people who just don't do that. So if it's important to your sponsors or your partners at your event that you know the name of the company and the title, maybe that's information you've promised um, your sponsors or your stakeholders or like to Mary's point about doing a fundraising event, like to talk to your donor platform, what other crucial information do you need to know? Um, I feel like it's also sometimes this is the place to ask, like, have you, is this your first time you've joined the event? You know, where did you hear about the event from face, in, you know, social media, email, an invite, you know, 
in your registration form, I feel like some of this is really helpful um, to capture that information there. And then to Mary's point of like what's required, what's not required. Um, another place I've seen if it's an in-person event, con collecting dietary restrictions. So anything that you're going to need to know, like specific info from your attendees, this is the place to do it because that is where you have their attention before they check out. Or if you have additional info you want or an additional activity they could opt into, like that's a great place. I mean, you can even think if you're someone who got married, like, you know, your RSVPs for people coming to your wedding. It's like, what food are you eating? You know, how are you getting there? Do you need transportation? Some of these questions you're going to ask, like the registration form is the place to do it because I've seen people forget a question and then going back and asking all 300 people what their dietary restrictions are to Mary's point or their guests is such a headache. <laughs> like it just is. It, it takes so much time and you go, oh, I should have just made it a checkbox or like, what's another one we had to do, Mary, that I'm thinking of the, oh, if you're going to film people, um, I think we do it all, even on our forum, we have to, for people to be a guest on this podcast. It's just a checkbox they hit of just like, they give us permission to record and distribute their interview. Like if you're going to take photos or video recording at your event, like having something like that, that they can check, they check a box when they're registering um, just helps kind of take, take care of one of those steps. What else, Mary, that I'm forgetting that we want to capture at registration um just like double capping on that um, collecting meals if, if you need to like meal types for the catering count especially i can't tell you how many times i've forgotten that in registration i don't know why it's just one of those things that i am always like like three people register and then i'm like wait we got we're not capturing this info we gotta add it in there asap like yeah. and that works if you've determined your menu so not just dietary restrictions you know but choosing the meal that they will get if that is the structure of how you're doing your meals. So definitely that. And then one other thing I'd love to share is lately I've been um, having clients do this and no one has opted out of it. So I think that there is some value in it. Um, but is not only, you know, requesting dietary restrictions, but any um, accessibility accommodations that might be needed. And so there's a phrase that I found somewhere and I can't remember. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that was my event, tell me because I'd love to give you credit, but I love it. And I wrote it down, but it's basically saying like, um, you say we, so the name of your organization or whatever, um, are committed to providing universal access to all our guests. Please request disability accommodations or dietary restrictions here. Advance notice is necessary to arrange for some accessibility needs. And so it's like a box and they can just fill it in. And this, these sentences have worked pretty well. And so that's another tip. That's really helpful. Yeah, I think that's a good accessibility. Yeah, a place to capture that so you understand kind of who your audience is um, and then, yeah, making things required versus not required, I think, is something you need to think about. That's a debate I've done before with clients who don't want to make it super long and lengthy and it's too much information. But then later on, they're confused why they don't have more information about who came to their event. So it is like a line you have to walk. I think if your registration is like 20 questions, that is too long. But if it is 10 questions or eight questions that you know, I'm going to need all eight information, just make it all required make the person take the extra step. Or if you need phone numbers, that was one for an event that I did recently. We needed phone numbers for people and they didn't make it a required question at registration. And like, you can put a disclaimer, a lot of registration platforms let you add notes and things that are like, you know, we would only use this in the case of emergencies or something um, that just makes it so much easier to capture it while they're registering um, than, than not at all. And I think getting into our next point about talking about tips for optimizing event registration, uh, there's, I feel like two tactics here. It's both optimizing like what your registration process is, but also like what to think about when you're looking at platforms that are going to help you because you are going to get constrained 
by some of the platforms. And so a pro tip that came up for me recently was thinking about to Mary's point about guests and if you're doing any group sales. So if you're selling or you're allowing a group of to register 40 people and maybe it's because a sponsor paid and now those people get to get a just, you know, they get free tickets essentially, but you want to send them all through the same registration platform. So making sure you're able to do promo codes um, this is something Mary and I did one for a spot. We were managing sponsorships for a conference a couple months ago that the promo codes were really helpful. And the platform we utilized had, it was a uh, through Hopin and they had registration and you can set up promo codes for how many times they can get used. You can customize exactly what the code is itself. And then how much of a discount it gives you off the ticket, um, like a hundred percent percentage or in dollar amount. Um, so if that is something that's important to you, making sure that that is a feature that you can do in registration, and then please make a master list of where you put all the promo codes so that your people who are helping you with some of the execution actually know what codes are going to what person, um, because that that's just super helpful. And I know not every platform has that functionality. Yeah, absolutely. And then also I'm thinking like through that, you know, on-site experience too of optimizing event registration. And registration, you know, is the first experience, most likely, that guests have when they come to your event in person. So, like, how you know, that that process of actually, like, getting through the doors or whatever it is, is crucial, you know. So, like, staffing it appropriately. Um, like I said, I work with this a registration vendor fairly often. And, like, she's all about no lines. We don't want any lines. So, we need to have enough stations where we're constantly getting people through and that there are not a lot of lines. So, I mean, yes, we have some lines, but they're never huge. And I think that's really appealing to people when they're arriving to an event. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just, I'm thinking through so many ways when I've seen, you know, bottlenecks in this registration process on site. Yeah. And I, we're going to have an episode coming out, I think next month where we're going to, we will dive even more into the on-site check-in process <laughs> because I think we honestly could go on and on about that side of it. Yeah, we definitely uh, could. How to optimize. Cause I think that applies both to registration, but just as an overall event host, um, and there's some good tips and tricks. I feel like another one for event registration, and it seems so simple, but if you have an event, a virtual event, having your event send the link to wherever people need to join and make it very obvious. So that's why I like Zoom and Zoom registrate and Zoom's registration that you can use for their webinar feature and their Zoom event feature is very nice because it instantly sends you a Zoom link, makes it so easy because the hard part with virtual events is you don't have those lines in person. You don't have that wayfinding of a physical person being able to be like, here's where you go for the event. And when I don't have a, li a link to a virtual event, I don't know how to get in. There was another conference I was dealing with where they put the link in their know before you go. It didn't automatically, when they re registered, they didn't get a link. They just got a confirmation of thank you for you know registering for the conference. Then they got a separate know before you go link that had the link like was in the email, but it was one of many links in this email. And the number of emails we got to our info at like help email address just saying where is the link to join i mean i got to create a template email that i just sent back to everyone because i was like here's the link just use your email address that you used to register but i went back and i was like why am i getting this question so many times and it was because the email they'd sent to tell people where to go it was not like it needs to be in your face obvious that this is the link to join um, and that's just something that again i feel like is such a, a low-hanging fruit and yet people just forget um, you got you got to send it multiple times and make it very obvious each time to make sure you're optimizing, you know, your registration process. Yeah, out, like just completely yes. <laughs> We've gone through that so many times; it's crazy. But I'm glad you're bringing that virtual event perspective too, because it is 
a different process, but very much like similar problems. So definitely. Um, any other tips for optimizing event registration? I think just knowing what the process is for a regular attendee and then also noting down your exception. So I know we talked about guests and things, but like you might have speakers and the number of events I've had now where someone's been like, your speaker's not registered, which our registration system was what talked to our badge printing system. So all of a sudden we don't have a badge for a speaker that we, we all knew was coming. We advertised about it, like, and it just fell through the cracks. So that's something too, to think about is like, how do your speakers register or your VIPs or your volunteers even, or your staff? I know some people are really big proponents of wanting everyone to self-register. I'm a big fan of it just needs to get done. So if that means like whoever I'm in charge of at the event, I'm just going to go in the system and register them. Maybe you do that. You just got to make sure they're they're in the system somehow. Because I feel like people forget about that. Or your photographer or your videographer, like anything, anyone who's anyone who's coming to your event, you really do want them in your registration system or on your Excel sheet, like Mary mentioned, or your piece of paper, like it just makes their process and the wording I always use, because I think the most pushback I get with is with sponsorship. So the sponsor, the sales sponsor person will know all these people and they'll know, oh, this, this company got 10 tickets. They're not going to tell us the names, but like, just let them in. And that's really hard. And we can dive into this more on our actual check-in episode, because that's really hard to institute in person. If you don't know who those people are, and this is where my sports mentality comes in, because you have a lot of people trying to sneak into sporting events and things. So I'm usually quite, I'm friendly, but skeptical that you're who you say you are. Um, and so just knowing like, who are the exceptions to the rule? And my wording that I always make with my sponsorship people is like why I need names and people registered in the actual registration system. And I say, they're just going to have a smoother check-in process. If they're on the list, they get in. It's that simple. And if I know that they're from a company and I can't, I don't know the name, like they're going to just, they're not going to wait in line, but they're going to have to wait because I'm going to have to figure out and verify that they are, you know, they're following the process that went, even if it's just making them actually fill out the form when they stand there. Um, so just, it, it really just helps everybody. It's like, help me help you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like how you said that because the information like has to get captured because, and, and if there's a way that it doesn't like, please tell us, because I was just talking to a client about this because she wanted like VIPs to be able to like get, get in really smoothly. But then in order to do that, we have to have, you know, their information up front. Like you're saying, the information needs to be captured in the forms in the fields or whatever. And even then you still, once again, we'll talk about on site. have to check in like, or else that or it's like any, any like sporting thing that you go to, like you still have a ticket and you have to check in to prove that you're supposed to be there. <laughs> and so that is just, that is just what it is, I think, but I'm interested to hear if it works differently for anybody else, but totally. Yeah. And I think some common mistakes that we, you see too, is too many exceptions to the rule. I always say the rules don't exist if you're not instituting them with everybody. So if you have some people who are collecting names via email, others were putting it in this document over here, others are through Eventbrite, like how to reconcile those three lists. Like it's just going to cost you time versus streamlining it and making it that like, sure, I'll have a promo code that it costs $0 to check out. And that link is now sent. You can send that to people or something like you, you got to kind of think through what that flow is because I know there's a, an event or two that I haven't gone to because, and it was made more in the virtual world. I want to say during COVID times when a lot of people were just figuring it out, but I know I definitely didn't go to an event or two because I couldn't figure out how to get there. I couldn't find the link. And it was just one of those where I was like, I just gave up. And I've like thought of that when I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. Or, you know, some folks are like, why are you putting the link in there three times in this email or twice this week? And I'm like, because people make it easy, make it as easy as possible for people to see. 
Um, and I feel like a mistake I've seen is some people's registration systems send confirmation emails and yet some organizers forget to either like turn that function on or then include any actual event relevant information in that confirmation email. Because I feel like I've worked an event or two where folks are like, oh, I never got a confirmation. And it's like, well, then how do you and I, and I use that for another event where we did send out confirmation emails. And that was my nice way when someone wasn't in my system. I was like, can you pull up your confirmation email for me? And they go, oh, I don't, I don't, I can't. No, I don't think I got one. And I was like, it'd be titled like whatever the name of the confirmation. Like I was, I was registered as an attendee. So I could see that process too. And I was like, nope, it's this title. And they couldn't find it. It was like, all right, so that's probably, you're not registered with us. All right, let's figure out, you know, what the solution, solution B and C is. But, um, but yeah, just kind of understanding your platform capabilities, I think, is really important to make sure you're utilizing everything you need and maybe some of the stuff you don't. Um, I'll shout out Eventbrite because I do think, well, they have their things that aren't great about them. I also think they do a really good job of letting you um, do kind of marketing emails and you can very much determine if it's to the people who like follow you on Eventbrite or if it's for the people who registered or my favorite for someone who does multiple events, one of the organizations I volunteer with, it lets us target emails to people who have come to events in the past with us, um, but maybe aren't registered for this event yet. And so that's kind of a nice way. It's all through the registration system. So it's just very seamless of like, they already have the link, they click it, they can register. And we always see a bump in registrations whenever we do that. That's a great tip. I have an event um, in Eventbrite coming up in the fall. So that's a great tip. I'm going to keep that in mind for sure. Um, and some other mistakes that I have seen are, we, we kind of talk about like discount codes or promo codes, but it's folks being able to figure out how to use it. I don't know why to me, it, to me, it seems very simple, but they're definitely uh, every time I get emails about saying like, well, where do I, where do I put it in? No, it didn't work because they spelled it wrong. And so, um, something that we've started to do is sending out a how to along with it, whether it's like you know, an email, an attachment, and there's like screenshots, or maybe you could do a video or something like that. But it just like gets ahead of that question in advance. And that's been pretty helpful for people, it seems like. Um, so that's something else. And then um, I'm trying to think of other common mistakes. I feel like there are a lot, but we've probably covered most of we them. Yeah, a lot of them. I, another yeah. one I have is main, making sure that you know what your form looks like on mobile in addition to desktop. I think Again, a lot of these platforms have little preview modes and you can see what it looks like on the on your website as well as on a mobile. But so much of what we do is on our phones. We check our emails on our phones. So just making sure that you like your confirmation, your click yes, register or you know, check out that button doesn't like fall off the page to the side on your phone or something like because you'll miss out on um, some people. So just like and, and we'll always say test, just test everything like you should be able to send yourself test emails to make sure you're images are formatted the way you want them to and, um, you know, test, fill out the form and figure out how does it lay it out. I think type form is a form a lot of people use for um, capturing information. And that's something Mary and I had to fill out a type form for someone a couple months ago that like every question was a page and it was like 50 questions. And it just, it was overwhelming how many times it was like, one more question, one more question, one more question. I was like, if this was the registration for an event, I, you would have lost me halfway through. Um, so just, again, seeing how it's laid out and how it's phrased uh, for people of what you're looking to capture. But um, just don't let it be an afterthought. I think that's another thing I've seen is like a mistake is some people rush that process because they just want to get it live. And then they haven't, they've forgotten about dietary restrictions or that they really needed company names. And 
you know, just taking that extra time to make sure you have all the information you need will help save you time down the road. This is this is making me want to go like revamp up taking notes like my registration process because it does get set on the back burner, you know, and so we got to clean it up for sure. So here's your prompt listeners to go double check your registration process. Yeah, it is a living, breathing document, you know, to every update. Same with like if you go in your post event reports that we keep singing the praises of, like if you had FAQs or things that people got confused about, like making sure maybe that's clearer in your registration process. Um, I think my final tip before we wrap is also if you have different ticket types and different levels, making sure you're explicit with what's included. Um, I've had some events I've either attended or been a part of that where it gets confusing is because they want really broad language of what was included with what ticket. And then that led to on-site challenges because folks were confused that they didn't get access to the recordings or they didn't get into this session or what's the difference between this you know, general admission ticket and this VIP one. Um, and just having that be as explicit as you can so that you have something to go back to um, versus again, rushing and just getting it out there and having very vague information about what's happening. Um, but yeah, so hopefully you learned a little bit more about event registration 101, started asking some questions for yourself about what you want to capture. Um, and that'll help uh, kind of give you more information about your event registration process. And I know Mary, you said you took some notes. So <laughs> we're all going to be revamping our reg processes for the fall. But that brings us to the end of the episode. And Mary, you have our bonus tip this week. Yes, I do. So our bonus tip is from a colleague of ours, and we really like how he sends proposals. So our bonus tip for today is to send an explainer video when you're sending a proposal. This was game changing when I saw him send it this way because it like really broke down the the quote. And it's so helpful. And also it's something that I've never seen before. And so it really like stood out as like a higher level of service. I appreciated it. I don't do this, but maybe I'll start doing it. I could just really appreciate it. So that is our bonus tip for today. Amazing. My follow-up question to your bonus tip, Mm -hmm. was it like specific to your exact proposal or was it an Uh explainer for general? No, like a five minute video, which really is not that much of your time if you think about it, to just talk through it. And I mean, you can have a meeting to follow up, but to really talk through the line items on the, like the money part, you know, and how, why it costs this much. And I mean, oh, it was great. Oh, that's so good. We love that high level of service, making positive impressions. Uh, But that brings us to the end of this week's episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com or visit our website at bettereventspod.com. As always, you can connect with Mary and I directly on LinkedIn. We love hearing from all of you and we appreciate you for listening and we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. 